Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Domesticated Dude podcast. I'm Logan, your host on this journey. Today, I'm talking with my friend Dusty. I met Dusty when I was probably 12 years old. I was visiting family here in Nebraska. My older cousin Evan had friends that he went to school with and he had grown up with. And as I kept visiting and spending time with those guys, they became my friends too. And Dusty was one of those guys. And so it was awesome to be able to get him on the podcast. Dusty is a middle school history teacher. So it was really interesting to talk with him about his path to becoming a teacher, what that was like for him, and then what it's like as a teacher now during the pandemic and some of the things that's changed for him and not changed for him inside of the classroom. As a historian, I I wanted to talk to him about how he thinks 2020 will be looked back upon in the future and, and some of the things that we're learning about our society right now. It was a really interesting conversation. I'm really glad we were able to do that. I also got to talk with him about his own podcast, his own historical podcast called Self-Evident. If you're a history buff, I highly recommend checking it out. There are 15-minute episodes once a week, um, just quick snippets of American history, so check that out. If you like what you hear on the podcast, share it with a friend, leave us a review, and make sure to subscribe so you get the newest episodes immediately. Without further ado, here's my conversation with my friend Dusty. Hope you enjoy. Dusty, man, it's good to see you. Hey, Logan, good to see you. How you doing? I'm well. I'm well. I'm well. Just uh, just trying to hang on to summer a little bit and uh, get after it. Yeah, we. Uh, you know, even though school is back in session, the weather is still nice. It's still warm and humid outside. The sun's shining. You know, it's it's still summer in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we we ha- got a. Uh, we were one of those people lucky enough to get a pool. Um, when the quarantine hit like a little backyard above ground pool. And so we've been trying to get the most use out of that possible, uh, before it gets too cold here. So yeah, lots of pool time for in my house. I am very jealous about that. Every time (laughs) I sit out on the deck, I'm like, man, if I could just dip my feet in some water right now while I'm drinking a beer, (laughs) I will be set. (laughs) Yeah. It was crazy. Um, when it first, uh, when it first happened, when the quarantine first happened and everything, you could not get a pool. You couldn't get one of those above ground pools. It was so hard. And then we tried so hard to do it. Uh, we were looking at all these places, Amazon, Walmart, and all this stuff. And we started looking on eBay and twice we bought, um, we bought a pool and, and then the next, and we were so excited. Okay. This is gonna be our summer. And then the next day we got emails back that said, and this happened twice that said that they are out of stock and stuff like that and so we're like man what is going on like they're putting it on on ebay saying that they have it and then it's out of stock and then uh so then a third time it happened again that they showed up on ebay was like okay we're doing this and so my wife smart as she was she bought two of them at different prices and because she's thinking maybe there's some shady business going on and so she bought them at two different prices and then and then the next day i crazy person. I went down to the warehouse. For some reason, the warehouse for this place was here in Lincoln where I live. And and I go down to the warehouse and I just started talking to warehouse guys. And I just keep talking to these people who were like going out on their smoke breaks. And I was like, Hey, I ordered these 
don't screw me over here. Um, what can I do? And so finally I talked to like this manager dude and he got me in touch with a guy. And so we spent this whole day trying to get in touch with people like, Hey, do not take this out of the thing. We are getting a pool. And so finally, I don't know if they like knew we were onto them or something, but they, uh, they held off and they did not, um, and they sent us the pool and they canceled one of the orders and, and sent us the pool. And I forget if it was the cheaper one or the more expensive one, but finally we got it. So, uh, and it's kind of made the summer. So, uh, we had to get after it to, to, to make it happen, but we, but we did. Dude, that is awesome. I, I <laughs> could imagine spending time in that pool just felt so much sweeter knowing what you had to go through to get that damn thing. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Yeah. Did you have to build any sort of um, structure around it or is it pretty freestanding? What's that like? You know, I kind of wish I would have. Um, I just made it flat on the grass. I just kind of like tore up my yard a little bit. But now that I've looked at it a little bit, I've seen some other buddies who have built some stuff around. I wish I I wish I would have. Um, but uh, but, you know, maybe next year. I don't know. I did, I did plenty of other building around, around my backyard. And so, um, I built like a porch cover and stuff like that. So I did plenty of construction this summer. So yeah, if I would have, yeah, that would have been, that would have been a good thing. So maybe next year for that, because it kind of, kind of tears up the yard a little bit, even outside of where you are. And then you end up just walking around the pool and it tears up that yard too. So it would kind of, so if anybody's listening, who's doing a backyard pool, I highly recommend just kind of building a little deck of some kind that, um, to save your yard at all costs, I guess. <laughs> That's a good, good bit of knowledge there. Some good wisdom. <laughs> uh, yeah. I keep seeing your photos on Instagram of all your projects. You mounted oh, your yeah. TV outside on the brick and I'm like, Oh man, that would be <laughs> so cool. And I hung our patio lights today and I felt like a man because I got to use my drill to pre-drill <laughs> holes and screw in, a, screw in a little hook to hook the patio lights along the, along the underneath the gutter. So uh, That's I'll an take, art. yeah, I'll take my I've minor victories. <laughs> I'll take Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, well, Hey Dusty, I wanted to, to talk with you today because you're a teacher and I wanted to kind of talk to you about with all this stuff going on, how is that changing or is it changing what's going on in the classroom? The, the learning that's taking place. Are you having to change your lesson plans or are you able to just kind of keep, keep rolling? You kind of have a, a system set up um, and your students just kind of know what's expected of them. What's that been like for you? Um, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. Um, back when, back when they first said that we were going to go back to school, I was super pumped about it. Cause I thought, I thought, man, we're finally like going to be done with this and we're going to like move forward. And so I was super excited about it. And I thought like, I don't know, I just had the sense that things were going to move forward, but now that we're in school, it feels like some part of it feels like we're still back in April or March with the COVID stuff again. It like just kind of it feels like it's just as bad. And, and I, and I get it. I get why, why some people would feel that way. And so it's, yeah. So anyway, it's tough. It's tough, like emotionally to go back and still feel all those things. And um, yeah, so that's been tough. Teaching has been interesting for where I am. um, It's uh, we do about one third of our kids are remote and the rest of them are in class and we do them simultaneously. Um, I don't know if that's the best decision. Um, I've, I have a buddy who teaches where they put all the remote kids in specific classes, which I think is the way to go. And then all the in-person kids in those specific classes so that the teacher can really focus on, 
on the kids that are there. And so what at my school and most schools, what I find is that I feel, I feel conflicted. I feel, I feel taken. I feel like I'm my, myself as, as a teacher is never really there. Um, I'm never really fully there for the remote kids and I'm never really fully there for the in-person kids. And so you feel kind of uh, pulled apart in two different directions. And so that's kind of hard. Um, I ran into a former student of mine at the grocery store this week and he, and wonderful kid, great student. Um, and he's still in high school. And he was telling me that he, when he's at home, uh, because in high school in Lincoln, they, um, they do every other day in mm-hmm. person. And so anyway, when he's at home, he, he finds himself just not paying attention. Um, and he knows that he's going to get the work and it's just going to show up on his account and all that stuff. And he's just going to do it, but he really has no incentive to pay attention. And so, which I totally get. I mean, I've yeah. been in zoom meetings where I just have zoned out, you know, you got stuff mm-hmm. going on, kids are hanging on you and all that stuff. And so you'll miss some stuff. Um, one time I was cooking breakfast during a staff meeting and, uh, you know, <laughs> sometimes you're not, sometimes you're right. not all there. You got, you got stuff going on at home. So, um, anyway, so I thought that was interesting. It was like, good to know that. And I kind of wondered if that was the case and it almost doesn't bother me that much because, you know, you're getting the work. It's up to you. You know, you've, you and your family have made the choice to stay home. And, uh, at least in our case in Lincoln. And so if that's the case, then you're just going to be responsible for your own learning. And so there's a part of me that, that kind of feels that way about the kids who are at home that like, man, it's just, I'm not going to work super hard to get you going. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I can't, you know, they can turn their screen off and they can, uh, do all kinds of stuff. And so it's, so that that's, that's tough. That's super tough. And then I don't know I'm a, I'm the type of teacher that likes to do things that, involve like movement and getting Mm -hmm. up and doing activities and things like that. And I had one the other day that I usually do. It's just like a, it's like an escape room that you can do in the classroom with like the kids like unlock boxes and use black lights and do all this stuff to like solve a historical mystery. And that's really fun. And I love teaching that way. Uh, But then I was like, I was starting to put it together and I was thinking about it and I was like, there's no way I can do this. Like they're going to, you know, 30 kids are going to touch this this lockbox, you know, yeah. or, you know, 10 kids per period. And, uh, and then how's that going to go? And, you know, what if, what if they all got the, the COVID, you know, and then it's, I could trace it back to this lesson and then I'm going to feel terrible. And then, um, and then what if their parents are upset with me about it? Because it's, even if nobody got it, what if they're upset with me? And, right. and so then I was like, man, so then I took this awesome lesson that I always do. Um, and then I just kind of turned it into a basic, read something and answer some questions type of thing. So there's a little bit of that. And I feel bad. I feel bad for the kids um, in that, in that respect that they're missing out on, on some of the typical learning that's done. Um, And then, you know, masks are, are tough for the learning environment too. I'm trying, I keep trying to put my head on it or wrap my head around it, that the masks are kind of like you know, the school year starts and then there's like 150 kids that you're in contact with and you're supposed to establish these relationships with and that you're used to establishing relationships with. And then suddenly with this year, it's like you've never seen their faces and they've never seen your face and they can barely, you know, and they kind of, they can hear you like 75% and you can't get too close to them and you can't like, you know, sit next to them and work, help work with them as much as you would want to. Cause then you're worried about, you know, touching their computer or whatever. And so there's some things about that. that like take away from the human experience. Um, and so, you know, I understand why the powers that are get, 
are scared about stuff and have protocols in place, but it's also, you know, the world, you know, 2020, that's what we, that's what we're doing. And it just kind of takes away from the human experience a little bit. And uh, we're kind of, everybody's just kind of dealing with that, I guess. Yeah. I could see that, you know, where you don't know those kids and you don't know what they look like. I've seen those (laughs) pictures on social media about doctors and things having like their photo on their like, chest so so that you know what their full face looks like and i didn't know if that was ever going to be something in the schools that that they would kind of take with them um but it's also one of those things that like as we've gotten deeper into this pandemic and masks have become commonplace right you go to the grocery yeah. store you need to wear your mask and that carries over into the school and so it's it's kind of one of those things at least in my mind as an outsider looking in Maybe the fact that we're all affected by this and we're all having to make adjustments, does that make it any easier? Is there any comfort there knowing that, that, hey, yes, your classroom is affected by this, but so is every other classroom in the United States. (laughs) Right, right. That makes sense. I I agree. I I think there's some of that. And, you know, it's only been a couple of weeks into the year, but I felt like the kids and I teach like 13, 14 year olds. And so there was a concern that they would possibly really struggle with that sort of thing. But there is that feeling like, Hey, it's not just my school. It's not just this teacher that's putting this on you. Like everybody's got everybody through the whole country has got to do this. And so it's kind of like, what are you going to say, kid? Like you got, you got to do this. I mean, otherwise there, I mean, there's no tolerance (laughs) for you. And so they've, they've been pretty good. They've been pretty good about it um, thus far. So we'll see how, we'll see how things go. But I do think there's that, that kind of feeling. Um, amongst the, amongst the students. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it makes it tough. I mean, you want to be there with your friends and your buddies and you want to, you know, get close to them. You want to have lunch with them and be able to just do the things that you're used to doing. And that's been taken away and temporarily, hopefully, Um, (laughs) right. You know, but um, you know, it's, it's also one of those things too, where it sounds like you are having to adapt your lesson plans and it almost sounds like you're going backwards you know, instead of going forwards and being able to do all these fun, interactive things, Mm. this is kind of hamstringing you to having to work out of the book, answer these questions. Um, But have you felt kind of that you've been able to find some new innovative ways to teach lessons? Yeah, it's been, it's, it's, it's fine. It's totally fine. I mean, there's, I've worked with a few, I mean, thankfully I have some really good colleagues from around the city um, that, and, and we text and, and work together and help each other out and uh, we send each other stuff. And so um, one of them, one of my buddies, he's so good at, at coming up with really fun stuff, even if it's just on the computer and even if it's just for one individual. And so it's called, uh, it's just like, I don't know where you kind of work through something um, through like a slideshow or through a document and it's, you kind of, you can kind of work through it that way. That makes it a little more interesting. Um, and so that's been helpful. Um, there is that, I, I mean, I do think there's just definitely just going to be, I don't know, we're doing our best, but there, I, I do think there's just going to be some, we're just not going to, it's just not going to be as good as it would be. Right. Um, it's, it's just not. I, um, so I just find myself even like, I love one of my favorite parts about teaching is class discussions about just like, even about COVID or, or the election or anything. And so it's like, but even then it's, it's tough because then, like I said before, my, my brain is in two different spots. And then, uh, and then it's kind of interesting. I, I often think about like, is this kid's parent right there? 
and uh, and if and if so, are they hearing me um, say something political, and they don't realize that I'm just playing devil's advocate, or they just realize that I'm trying to get them to think about something, even though it's not really what I think, um, <clears throat> because my job is to get them to think, and uh, and so anyway that's something I think about too, is like, oh, whose parent is right there? Are they judging me? What am I doing? Are they happy with what I'm teaching them right now? And so I think about that stuff too. Um, so Man. yeah, I don't know. But, but what, you, what you said, I think is something that, I mean, it's been tough. It's been really tough, but something what you said that has been like getting me through is that I just keep telling myself that it, it can't possibly last forever. Um, I think you said it, it's temporary and, you know, I would love for it to, last another month but but right. even if it lasts a few months if, if it's just temporary it just this can't be normal forever um and so i'm just keep telling myself that like let's just get through one more day survive in advance uh and all that stuff so yeah yeah that's been the feeling i think that's a really good way to look at it like we're getting through it today and we are giving right. our students grace we're giving we're giving each other grace because we know it's not perfect but this is, we're doing the best we can with what we've got. And yeah. I think that's the sentiment all over the country, right? All over the world right now yeah. is that we're just trying to do our best and get by. Um, right. Dusty, how long have you been teaching? Um, this is my seventh year. Okay. Um, I'm kind of an older dude and I not was a non-traditional student. I was uh, making bad choices for a good long while. And then, um, and then finally realized that I wanted to, that I wanted to teach. I was actually, um, <laughs> I was doing nothing with my life for a long time. And then I, I was sitting, getting my tires changed at a Walmart in Colorado. And, and I picked up a book, uh, uh, a David McCullough book. And I started reading it. And while I was sitting there for like an hour and I was reading it and I was just like, I was like, what? It was, it was, it just blew my mind. He was talking about how, uh, uh, John Adams, it was John Adams biography and like how John Adams is like, uh, he was the, uh, he defended the Boston massacre, British soldiers from the Boston massacre trial. And, uh, and he, and I just couldn't believe that. And no one ever taught me that. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is fascinating. How many more things are like this? How many, how many more historical things are like this? And so I just, just got totally bought into everything history and realized that I wanted to teach it and tell kids cool stories and uh, just get kids excited about history. So um, that was like 10 years ago or so. And yeah, I've been teaching uh, eighth graders for, for seven years. So were you interested in history? Like when you were going through high school and in college and all of that, was that something that you kind of latched onto or was it really that epiphany in the tire shop? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was always, it's one of those things. Like I, um, I wish somebody would have, told me that, Hey, you should do this because I always loved it and I was always into it, but I just never thought about doing it for some reason. And that's, I mean, that's my bad, but, um, I, I, uh, yeah. So it was kind of that epiphany, you know, my parents were always into politics and we talk about politics all the time at home and, um, and all that stuff. And I was, you know, so, you know, you're kind of into history that way. And then, um, but I just never really thought about it. And then for some reason, it just never really, never really hit me. So um, one of my goals as a dad is to, is I'm trying to pay attention to my kids. Um, they are seven and four. Like, what are you interested in? Like, what is your passion? And try to like identify those things early and, you know, they can change, uh, yeah. but identify those things and try to like help them along 
um, and help them find those things so that they can find careers that make them happy. So yeah, anyway, that's, that's kind of how it worked. That's really neat that you're able to take what you went through and be able to apply it to your kids and, and make sure that, you know, they are getting to go where they want to go. And, um, I'm kind of with you. It took me a little while to figure out what I wanted to do too. It was sophomore year of college when I actually declared as a journalism major. And so it it does take a while and and nobody is on the same path. You know, everybody just has those epiphanies at different times in their lives that show them what their calling needs to be or what their calling is. For Um, sure. So what was that process like for you once you, once you realized that you were wanted to be a teacher, what, what were some of those steps that you had to take to get to being in the classroom right now? Yeah, I don't know. It was kind of tough being a little bit older uh, because then, because I was married and, um, or I was about to be married. I forget when I decided that that's what I wanted to do. And then, um, so that was kind of tough. You know, your, your wife would like you to have a job and then you're just going to school for, for a while. And so, um, so that was tough. And then we had a kid um, when I was a senior in college. And so our first kid, and so that was, you know, it's just kind of tough to, to do all those things and um, try to be the best student you could be, but also be like a good dad and a good husband and stuff like that. So, um, so that was, that was kind of an interesting journey of just, just trying to survive and just make, I don't know, make ends meet while you're, while you're doing it and which every college student has to do, but then it's a little tougher when you're married and you have a kid and everything. Um, you end up like getting creative with your schedules and, uh, working different jobs. At one point I had a paper out. I don't know if I ever told you that, um, but for like eight months, I had this paper route while I was, while I was in college and, um, gosh, it was just the worst experience of my life. And I kept on it for eight months for some reason. And, oh gosh, it was terrible. I would just like, I stopped going to class because, you know, you just, I'm just not like not sleeping and, oh man, just like destroying a car and, uh, just, just not <laughs> sleeping and, and just not really being alert and, you know, getting like four or five hours of sleep every night eventually catches up to you. And, uh, you know, it was in the dead of winter. And so, you know, you're just like getting stuck in the snow sometimes and, oh gosh, it was the worst experience ever. I, I, I don't recommend it, but you know, just trying to make through trying to make right. it, trying to, trying to graduate college and get a career and, and support the family. So, um, yeah. So it's kind of like the pool story where you had to, you had to go through some stuff. You had to, uh, kind of work through some, uh, not great situations, but once you got the final product, now that you're in the class or now that you're teaching history, that's something that you've been wanting to do. Do you kind of wake up sometimes and you're like, I can't believe they're paying me to do this stuff. <laughs> I know, right? Like my uh my wife um she's had a few jobs but in the private sector. And so um and so she's always like, you know, doing bookkeeping or doing something deeply important for someone that they absolutely need. And so, you know, sometimes we're up late at night working and and she's like doing something deeply important for for a client or uh getting something to someone that they absolutely have to have. Um and um and then here I am like I'm like making memes about history or like coming up with some like ridiculous lesson where we get to like act something out, like reenact the battle of bunker Hill or something. And and sometimes I'm just like, man, am I really like, I do feel guilty. Like, do I get to do this? Like I really get to do this. Um, and so, but it's, and it kind of feels like too much fun almost sometimes. So, uh, but I, I'm not going to complain. 
knowing how passionate you are about history, you know, to kind of help these kids understand what happened. And, and sometimes it's not always what you read in the textbooks is not always 100% factual. You know, you're able to kind of dig a little bit deeper and, and really figure out some of those stories like you were talking about with John Adams. Right. And then, and then having these discussions in the class, um, I would, I would assume that that'd be a really tough position to be in without, like you were saying, having to necessarily reveal your political stances, but more of just being able to promote that conversation within the class. It's got to be a fine line that you have to walk on. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that's very true. Um, yeah, I'm always, uh, you know, and it, it, you try and yeah, we're not supposed to say what we believe. And, and a few years ago, I found out that anybody, at least in Nebraska, anybody can look up any person uh, in Nebraska and find out their political party that they're a part of. Did you know this? I, I did. Um, my time as a journalist uh, showed, oh, me, showed oh, me a little yeah. bit of that. But yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. it would. Um, and so that blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I am going to register as an independent because I don't want a parent finding out and uh, getting on my case about something, but I, I kind of like appreciate it. And I kind of, I kind of like, I don't know, like everything about election years is so like divisive and everything. And it's so partisan that I almost, I almost kind of like welcome it and appreciate just the independence now. And I, I kind of appreciate trying to like find little things about each side that, where maybe they have holes and maybe I can get people to, or kids, students to think a little differently about something, uh, challenge them a little bit. And maybe they'll just, I'm not looking to change their mind, but just, um, you know, understand how they, how to think and how to, uh, you know, do research and how to, you know, form opinions and then get those opinions out on, on paper or verbally or whatever. And so I just, I just think that's kind of interesting. And, and that's where like, and just like the politics right now is, is really difficult to like, I'm just like, Oh, trying to, I'm having a hard time getting passionate about any of it. And so sometimes as a historian or a history teacher, it's just like, I just kind of prefer the history. I just kind of like, I just kind of <laughs> prefer like going back and, and learning about that stuff because this stuff is just, it's just like such a mess. And, um, and so I don't know, I just kind of, I kind of prefer the history sometimes. And so, but it's been interesting right now because I tell the kids and I told the parents the first day, I was like, I was like, we got three things going on this year that are going to make that stress me out this year. We've got COVID stuff. And I was like, some of you think that these masks are ridiculous. And some of these, some of you think that these masks are, are the only thing that's saving you. And some of you think we're overreacting to this. Some of you think we're underreacting to this. And we have to navigate through that. And the other thing is the election. And so some of you hate the president and some of you love the president. I had a student actually we were watching, uh, we were watching the the nomination speech mm-hmm. from Joe Biden the other day, and I told the kids, I was like, we're gonna watch Joe Biden's speech. We're gonna watch two minutes of Joe Biden's speech, and the next week we're gonna watch uh, two minutes of Trump's speech, so we can be fair and balanced and all this stuff. And she, she was like, Mr. Bain, I, I can't watch this. I was like, she's like, can I leave? And, uh, and I was like, well, I, I guess you can, if it makes you that upset. I don't even know her that well. I've, you know, like I said, I've never seen her face. I've talked to her a couple of times. I've had her in class for two weeks. And so it's hard. People are, people are riled up, man. Um, and so I get it. And then the third thing, um, is the, is the black lives matter stuff, um, from this summer. 
And then it, you know, that like, man, for me, that brought up a whole new thing for like teaching history because it was like, I don't know, because that's that stuff started. The George Floyd stuff Mm -hmm. started happening and all that stuff. But then it kind of turned into like a historical thing. And it turned into like, what are we teaching kids? Because then it was Juneteenth, um, June 19th, which like nobody had heard of. And I had only heard of it a few times because my mom lives in Texas. And so I had gone down there and saw some stuff about it when I was there one time. And it was completely random. But you're I mean, but they were right. Like no one's ever taught this sort of thing. And so there's all this history. And I think you kind of alluded to it too, when you were talking about the John Adams thing is that like, like there's all this history, there's all these things that, I mean, there's not enough time to teach everything. You've got like 180 days and you're, and you're going to teach. I mean, there's things you're going to miss and there's things you're going to touch on and there's things you're going to highlight. And so that makes it really tough too. And I told them, I was like, man, you guys, we're going to talk about, and I, I felt convicted this year, like, man, I need to teach more black history. I need to teach more Mexican history. I need to teach more, Native American history, you know, Chinese American history, as far as what I teach with like early American history. And so that really hit me this year. And I told the kids, I was like, we got to, we got to teach more. I'm going to teach you guys more of this stuff. And so I've already started doing that already this year, which has been nice. And then, uh, but then I told him, I was like, man, but, but guess what? Like, there's also some awesome things about America that like, man, we have to touch on too. And we need to celebrate. Like, I don't want to just sit here and tell you that America sucks and like all the bad things that, that this country's done because yeah, they've done some bad stuff, but man, we've done some awesome stuff too. And I don't want to just ignore those things. And so, and I bet some of your parents want me to just talk about the bad stuff. And some of your parents want me to, you know, wave a flag every day. So it's really, so those things are tough. Um, so I told them, I was like, man, I'm gonna try to navigate both of them at the same time. Um, which I think is fun. Um, I think that's what we should do. But um, so, yeah, that's just kind of been, that's what I'm stressed about every day, basically. Oh, uh, man. Trying, to, trying to make those things work um, in the classroom every day. But and uh, I don't know, some people are going to get offended this year and like everybody is and about everything. And so, I don't know, it's been super interesting. Yeah. I mean, the whole Black Lives Matter, there's a, like you were saying, there's a whole lot of historical to- context to that. So you're able to bring that in from from that perspective, from the historical perspective and say, this has led up, you know, those actions have led up to this. And this is where sure. we are now. Looking back on, on this time, on 2020 and the clusterfuck that this year has been, <laughs> what is your prediction for how, you know, as, as a historian, what is your prediction on how people are going to look back on this year? I, I hope, my hope is that we look back on this year and we learn some stuff. We learn some stuff about America. We learn some stuff about ourselves and how we can be better people and better neighbors and better community members, um, better allies. Do you see that happening? Do do historians kind of, I know that's kind of weird looking forward instead of looking backward, but have you spent some time thinking about that? Yeah, I think about that. I think about that a lot. Um, that, uh, I think that, yeah. When I think about, I think, I think no matter what we, I think typically we, as a culture, we overreact to things. And then we look back on it and we're like, oh, we probably shouldn't have, we probably shouldn't have done what we did. We probably did too much. And I'd say maybe the except, you know, there's some exceptions. I'm thinking of World War II where we look back and we're like, oh, we should have, we should have maybe paid more attention. We should have, we should have stopped those guys a lot sooner. And so sometimes, sometimes we, we should have maybe done more. Uh, but 
I think like in the aftermath of 9-11, we overreacted, I think. And there were some things that went into place that now we're looking back on. I was like, oh, like we maybe went too far. We were, we were scared. You know, when, when people are afraid, people do things irrationally. When people are afraid, we, and we, when we don't understand things like this, does, I mean, this COVID, we don't, we don't understand. There's a lot of things about it. We still don't understand. I feel like we're learning stuff every week and it's like, oh, like back in March, we thought it was this way and now it's this way. And so when, when we don't know enough about something and when we're unfamiliar, then we get scared. And we do what we can to protect ourselves and protect our family. So I think eventually we'll look back and be like, oh, now that we know that the virus was this, this, and this, we should have done this. And then I also think, I think, I don't know, I think what's happening to, I don't know, when it comes to the economy and like what we're doing to businesses and stuff like that, that I don't know. Um, I'm curious about what's going to happen because I don't know. I don't know if it's going to ever be the same. People talked about like how theaters are never going to open again. Um, and I know ours here in town, you probably saw that it's, um, it's opening. I think it opened this weekend. Um, and they're playing like some old movies and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know if, I don't know if that's going to be a thing. Um, but I do think, so one thing I do think that might be a huge change and I could be totally wrong, but we are like this independent, we have an independent culture where we have, or like where we are individuals and we feel like we are ourselves individuals where other cultures, some, in certain ways are more collective. And so one thing I was thinking about from the very start of this was like, man, is this going to change at least a lot of people's mindset? Maybe not everybody, um, but is this going to change a lot of mindsets when it comes to, are we going to be a little bit more of a collective society? Um, Are we going to, you know, like the whole mass thing is, is a total collectivist thought. And, and, you know, it's almost everybody I, I talk to is all for it. It's all for the mass thing in there, you know, uh, just super passionate about it. And I feel like I see it everywhere. And, uh, and so, and that's a collectivist thing, it, it, you know, to forget about the individual. Let's think about the collective. And so I wonder if, if we, if us as a society might get more towards that. And maybe it's, maybe it's not that extreme. Maybe it's more like what you were saying, like, hey, let's help our neighbor a little bit more. Um, let's do those things. But I'm kind of wondering if this might be, you know, because sometimes you can look back at, at certain things in history, like the Civil War took us from, you know, a bunch of different states together uh, for a couple of common purposes to like one nation, you know, now that we call it, we call it one nation. Um, it used to be, we used to be the United States are, and now we're the United States is, okay? So the, the Civil War did that. And then, you know, the Great Depression did what it did. and uh, the Second World War did what it did, and all these things have done what it did. Uh, 9-11 changed us in certain ways. And so, I don't know, is this going to change us in that way, where we think a little bit more collectively? And I don't know if that's a necessarily a good thing, um, but in certain ways, I, 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 I could see that. That's just my guess. I could be totally wrong, but that's just, that's what I've been seeing. Uh, so, I don't know. We'll see. That's a really fair point. I think now that the mask thing has um, shifted to that collective. Like, it's not about me. It's about all of us. It's about me wearing my mask because I respect you. And I don't want to, if I have something, I'm not, I don't want to give it to you. And now people are seeing the results of that a little bit because the numbers are going down in, in a lot of places, except for where there are huge parties and whatnot, but people are seeing the results of that. So they're seeing that payoff that says, okay, well, if I take an action for the greater good, 
maybe it's not as detrimental as I thought it was going to be. And yeah, it makes me feel a little bit good that I was a part of that. (laughs) And, you know, in this day and age, people want to be a part of something larger than themselves. At least that's kind of what I've been seeing a lot, Um, especially with our millennial generation, our Gen Z generation. They're, they're, aspirations are to be a part of something larger than themselves so that whatever we can do to kind of help that. And you're right at a certain point that does, that could become dangerous, but right now uh, to help us get through this pandemic, I feel like that's, that's a positive thing that I've been seeing of people looking out for each other and and going that taking those extra steps in their lives to, to help. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's pretty much what people are saying is that like, Hey, this isn't this isn't hurting me at all by having this um therefore i'm going to i'm going to do it um i do think i do think there's a little bit of like what you're what you touched on like there's a little bit of like virtue signaling um and it's a little like hey look at me i'm part of this too i'm doing the right thing can you see me do the right thing can you see me care about everybody else um and and so i think there's a little bit of that and that wears me out a little bit um as someone who's personally I, th- I think we're overreacting. Um, I think we're overreacting to the virus. Um, I think there's, I think there's certain steps we can take, but I think, I think collective um, ideas just aren't really going to help us here. Um, but, um, but there is that. Like, like I, like I said, I feel both things. Like yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. matter if I wear one to Super Saver or to the grocery store. But at the same time you, you get some people out there like, Hey, like you're a terrible person because you're not wearing one where it used to be, it used to be like, like, Whoa, we are like, we are, we're Americans and we get to like, we get to make our own choices. And if you want to drive without your seatbelt or ride your your motorcycle without a helmet, go ahead, go ahead and hurt yourself if you'd like to. But now we're like, no, no, we need to, we need to take care of everyone here. So it's an interesting shift that's been taking place. Um, And so I don't know it, it does scare me a little bit. It's, it feels some part parts of that, the virtue signaling and the, Hey, I'm doing this and I care about people. And if you don't do this, you clearly don't. It feels a little mobby mm-hmm. to me, like a little bit of mob mobocracy, um, shaming and, yeah. and stuff like that. When I don't know, because like when this started, people were saying like, Oh, we don't need to wear masks. And so, and now we're supposed to, but then in a few months, what's going to be the thing and how are things going to change? And so, um, I don't know. With pandemic aside, um, please, it's, it's given us some opportunities to, to do some things this summer and that maybe we wouldn't have the opportunity to do before. Um, a, a lot of things were closed. Yes. But I do feel like a lot of people were making those, um, adaptations in their lives to find new ways to do things, to find new activities for themselves and their families to do. What were some of the things that you guys have done this summer as a family that, you know, maybe you wouldn't have had the chance to do otherwise, or is it, or did it change for you? There's that side of it too. Sure. Well, yeah, it was, it was good. It was, you know, I think for the most part it was, it was good. And it was, you know, it's been tons of family time, you know, it's, and so I think, I think for a lot of people, that's been really, it's been really good to like spend tons of time with their family. We've, you know, we got the backyard pool, so we've been doing that a lot. Um, I think for us, it's been just like, for a lot of people, I think it's just been being outside um, and, and just like, just getting after it outside. And we went to, um, you know, bike rides and we went to, we did get a chance to get out to Colorado. Um, we went to Glenwood Springs, which we had never been to, 
um, highly recommended. Um, I had driven past there a few times going over the mountains, but um, never really stopped. And so we went there and we did like the uh, rat, we did rafting and which I'd never done before. Uh, and, uh, and so they had like little, they have the regular rafting and then they have like a family stop for the rafting. And so then we, it's called the mild rafting. And so then the, the raft stops at the, the family pickup and they pick us up and then we get in there and man, we just went down the Colorado river and there was just, I don't know. There was just that moment where we're just, there's eight of us in a boat and we're just going down and you just look up at nature and you're like, man, like things aren't so bad. Like things are awesome. And, uh, you know, and there's a few times where I've never done this before. So maybe this is normal, but there's a few times where we got to like jump out of the raft while it was still going down and swim alongside the raft. And then we were able to hop back in. Uh, the instructor like pulls you back in, man, there was just like this moment where just kicking back and like my daughter's in the, in the Colorado river and I'm in the Colorado river and I'm just like looking up at the Canyon and a blue sky. And I'm just like, man, this is good. Like life's pretty good, man. Um, and so it's cool to like grab those moments and just like, just enjoy them and take them in and, uh, and stuff like that. And especially with family and, and friends and just, I don't know, just kick back like that. That's, that's what I keep holding on to this summer. I keep thinking about just, yeah. just floating around the Colorado river and just, uh, just enjoying life. Um, so that sounds incredible. I, I could go anytime I'm around water, I feel at peace and I don't know what it <laughs> is. You I, well, you grew up, you grew up right by water, right? Yeah. I grew up on a lake and <laughs> so it, it's just calming to me. Yeah. It just gives you that, that serenity. Um, like George Costanza, George Costanza, <laughs> serenity now. Um, right. <laughs> but you know, we'll, we'll go out to Branch Oak Lake. It's probably 10 minutes, 15 minutes from our house. You go out there and just sitting on the beach or just sitting in the grass and watching the waves roll over, man, that's peace to me. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. People are spending a lot more time outside this summer because that's, you know, what we have to do. We can't go to sporting events and all of that. So we get to spend a lot more time with our family and our loved ones, maybe more time than we didn't get to have before, right. which is a huge blessing. And, um, yeah. Sarah and I have been enjoying afternoons on the deck. We've been playing a lot of tennis, um, just finding ways to, to be outside. And, and it's given us a lot more time to do stuff around the house too. Um, <laughs> right you know, with, with different projects and things. I, I feel like, um, there's that term nesting. Um, and, and I don't know anything about this because I don't have kids, but <laughs> when you're about ready to have a child, you, you kind of go through this nesting phase. Well, I feel like we're in that nesting phase, but we're not expecting a child at the moment, right? We're trying to make yeah. our home as, as good and comfortable as it, as we want it to be because we have this extra time. And we're spending a lot of that time on these projects to just kind of help move it forward. Yeah. And I wonder if that's a thing. I wonder if we're all kind of like, I wonder if everybody's been nesting and that's why like Home Depot was so busy and everything. Cause everybody just wanted to like, man, I can't control anything, but I can like take care of this house and I can make sure this is comfortable. Um, I wonder if that's like, I wonder if that's like a psychological thing that we've been going through. I bet it is. I went to Orschlands here in town yesterday. Okay. That place, so it's not very big to begin with, but there were probably 10 people in line yesterday. And for the town of Seward, 
to have <laughs> 10 people in line at the Warshlands. Yeah. That's, that's pretty busy. Um, so it's, and then Walmart was busy too. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing else really to do except go grocery shopping and improve your home, especially (laughs) if we're going to be spending all this time here, you know, we, we should, uh, make it as comfortable as we can. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of weird, especially if winter hits and we can't, and we still can't do anything, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's been the, that's been the great thing. Like the weather's been, the weather's been good and all that. Um, yeah. Well, hey, man, we've been chatting for a while. I know uh, your boy's down at a, on nap time, but uh, yeah. <laughs> which is awesome. I mean, as a dad, you have to you have to find time where you can make it, right? It's kind yeah, of the absolutely. kind of the theme there. I know. I was expecting some child to run in here and interrupt your your entire podcast, but no one no one has done that yet. So <laughs> the nap the nap the nap has worked. Nice, nice. I'm kind of jealous. I miss I miss nap time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I cannot nap. Are you are you a napper? Oh yeah. Oh man, I naps ruin my day. I really? just they make me so upset. They, I I'll take like a two hour nap in the middle of the day, and then I wake up and I'm groggy and I'm grumpy, and I've like missed two hours of the day, and I'm like, why did I take that nap? And so, oh, I'm not I'm not a napper. I found out that there there is definitely two types of people in the world: nappers and non nappers. And I t- my wife's a napper. She'll she'll take a thirty minute power nap, and she's on with the day, and she's so happy. I'll take a nap, and I'm just done. I'm just, I'm on the couch the rest of the day. Forget about it. Have you tried the 30 minute power nap? Because those are magical. Are they? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the two, the two I hour nap. I should do that. The two hour nap is tough. And when I <laughs> take a two hour nap, I'm with you. I wake up and I'm pissed because I'm like, <laughs> I could have done more things with those two hours. Right. Um, but if I, if I take a half hour nap, that's like the sweet spot. Okay. I'll even set an alarm on my phone and like, wake me up. I I need to get up, even a five to ten minute power nap. Oh my god! During the day, man, it, that's it, terrible. It's helpful. Okay, try okay. it out. Let me know how it goes. I will. I will. <laughs> Make sure to set an alarm though, because otherwise you may fall asleep for that two hours, and then you'll just be right. pissed off. That'd be a problem. That'd be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, hey, is there anything else that you think we should cover today? I mean, we've covered a lot of ground, and uh, I know we have some topics left over for the next time we're able to do this. Oh. Yes. Speaking of that, one one thing I do want to mention um, and ask you about is, um, as a as a history buff, you've started to put that together in a podcast, kind of like this. So, um, fellow podcaster, um, oh yeah, how's that been going? When did you start that? I know we have a, a few minutes left. Uh, tell me a little bit about that podcast that you're doing. Oh yeah, well it's called it's called Self Evident American History, and uh, you could search that up on wherever you find your fine podcast, wherever you find this podcast. And, um, and there, there was a few, uh, when I made the, when I made the name, there was a, there weren't any, uh, <laughs> there weren't any other podcasts of that name, but now there's a, there's a couple of them. There's one that's called self-evident that deals with like Asian American history. Um, so don't, th- don't get that confused. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm just talking about American history in general, not Asian American history. So, um, so I'm keeping the name for now anyway, self-evident, uh, American history. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's something that, um, you know, especially in the summer and when I'm not in school and I'm not teaching kids, I'm like, man, I want to like, I want to get history out there. And so then I just, I just started doing it and I started doing, it actually started as more of like a political podcast, but then I realized, you know, as a public school teacher, I can't just like I can't just like spew off a bunch of my politics. And I quickly realized that I wasn't really saying anything. I was, I was not, uh, 
Um, you can probably tell when I did this podcast just now, I was trying to be very uh, down the middle a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I'm a public school teacher. I, I'm trying not to get in trouble. And so, um, and so anyway, I was, I was doing, I was, so I was doing this political podcast and then it just, it, it wasn't anything because it was, it was just vanilla milk toasts <laughs> stuff. So anyway, so I just turned it to American history. And so uh, I'm just kind of rolling through and uh, rolling through with the American revolution and going from there. And um, so it's in really short little bites, like 15 minute segments, uh, which I found to be really nice. Um, if you just want like, it's, it's like once a week and it's in little 15 minute chunks. And so it can be like a drive to work uh, or whatever. And so see this podcast, I like listening to you because when I'm like long road trip or I'm like mowing the yard uh, for mine, for some reason, it just, it just felt better to do it in really small chunks. Um, partially because I'm, I'm only, it's only by myself. I'm just telling a story. And so um, if it's not two people, then I, I, I find it better to be really short. So anyway, it's something I love yeah. doing. Um, and so that's been super fun. So feel free to check me out there. Um, if you, if you're into a little American history in 15 minute chunks. That's awesome, man. That's cool. I'm sure it helps keep you kind of sharp too, as you're revisiting things and learning new things, you can bring that into the classroom and um, get a lot more out of that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a great point. That's awesome, man. Well, keep going on that. And yeah, if any history buffs out there, make sure to check out self-evident by dusty and uh, give him some love too. Hey, thanks Logan. Yeah, man. Of course. All right. Well, hey, we should probably uh, let you get back to, to family time and, and dad time. Uh, thanks for spending some time with me on a Sunday afternoon, Dusty. It's yeah, been great. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was fun to do. So great to talk to you, Logan. Well, take care and I'll see you soon. <laughs>